0: Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House.
1: Broadcasting live from the conference room of Renovations, Prescott Area General Contractor, Rosie on the House, partner Tom Riley is with us. He'll be joining us here a little bit later in the broadcast. We've got special guest Dave Barrett of Barrett Propane as well. This is... The Energy Month at Rosie on the House, talked about all the different power sources, and we're going to talk about propane's role and power sources, as a power source in Arizona. But the reason that originally brought us up here this week was the Arizona Historic Preservation Conference, and we've been here, we missed Wednesday, too much to get done in the office to catch all three days of the conference, but we caught the second and third day, and uh, Jennifer and I both have our top three takeaways, Uh, you go ahead and cover yours, I'll save mine for... uh, the, the long segment after the news.
2: It was kind of fun because we took the program and divided up, you know, divide and conquer, and Romy picked his first, and then I picked mine, and they didn't even cross over, so it wasn't an issue. We each had kind of different interests. But um, I, I listened in on the keynote speaker, who was Donovan Ripkema, and he's his business, he's a consultant out of D.C., and his company is Place Economics. And he goes all over the country trying to help um, get the historic downtowns uh, redone, so that's kind of his specialty. So he's very inspiring, and he said, you know, if you get people to quit, not just look at it as a historic preservation, but as an economic um,
1: investment, investment,
2: yeah, it's really a, a really a much better way to go and get people interested to go to the bottom line. So he had a lot of good things to say. He said, what do people want? He said most people want a heritage-based downtown. They like that. Um, they like the downtown revitalization. Um, and in the old you know, in the past, if you were close to a downtown area it was kind of oh, I don't want to live there or be there because it's bad for my property value. And everything's kinda shifted now if you can be close to downtown in some of these revitalized areas, your property values are up. And then part of the discussion, of course, was Kimber Lanning. She was here she's um, founder of Local First Arizona, talked about, you know, she always likes to talk about how um, profitable it is to shop local, to be local, to have local businesses, and uh, that the tie in there was local businesses really, really prefer that downtown area with the historic buildings. So instead of just like a a big box kind of area where you got all these big big stores, same old, same old, but the, just the culture it presents when you have that revitalization downtown and of course prescott was a perfect place to have this conference because it's a great example um one of the things uh, and it's a
1: conference it's held annually and it's all over the state last (laughs) year was in tucson another uh city that's done a great job on a downtown revitalization you think about all the different downtowns in arizona you've got chandler has done an incredible job with their main street downtown of course uh, old town scottsdale huge tourist attraction Prescott Flagstaff we've got a lot of great downtown Glendale I, I just preference because I, I love Hoffs Murphy's you know, <laughs> brought on a big old mound of crop <laughs> <and> mustard <laughs> yeah so it was
2: it was really interesting conference because there was you know councilmen mayors from all over the state um and attendees also just everybody kind of interested in this in this concept how are we going to make it done it's not necessarily the cheapest thing um And then they talked about on a residential level, so part of the dynamic is the business is coming back. But also people like to live downtown, and with the next generation, um, they're, they're moving in closer to town, they want... Um, more affordable places to live. So you have smaller places that are more affordable. They're close. They can walk. They don't have to have, you know, a car maybe even. Can save that expense. And the, one of the big requirements is people want walkability. They want to be able to walk to work. They want to be able to walk to the store. And so they, if you go to walkscore.com, um, you can put in your town or your city or your downtown and find out how walkable it is. So I just played around with it for a while. Um, Casa Grande was the worst score the walkability is oh, like a one. I think well any farm <laughs> out, out of town, yeah. Any
1: farm town is not gonna have a walking score.
2: Well, yeah. well they you know, but when you put down the downtown, you know, um, like Tucson was a forty two for their walkability, not great. Um, Tempe was a fifty four. Um, but they also have they have walkability, they have a score for transit and they have one for biking. So I just kinda stuck to the The walking, but guess who got the best score?
1: Well, before that, I'm going to say this walkability score is not something that was developed in the West because somebody back east who live in very dense towns and they've got states that you know you could fit six of them inside of Arizona. You know, our space in the West is so much bigger. It's probably if you took that same thing and applied it to square foot wide of the open space we have in the West. I bet those scores would change a lot.
2: Well, and you, you can specifically put in a neighborhood or a downtown. So I did put in, in specifically downtowns. But Prescott got the, the highest rating by far as the 88 most walkable, a, a score of 88. Which we were talking this morning, you know, you can count on the fact if you're going to go out for a walk, the lights are going to change when you ask them to. <laughs> you know, you are not find yourself standing there for five minutes wondering when the traffic's going to slow down you can walk. So it really is a very walkable town. Um, so, and then uh, I ended the... My, other favorite thing I liked was the end of the conference. I sat in with some councilmen, and they talked about what does it take. You know, if you're interested as a citizen, you know, what does it take to get this to happen? So you need activism, you need volunteers, and I came up with this. I came up with this awesome list.
1: Yeah. If you're interested, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Something else about walkability. I bet they didn't have elevation factored in that as well either. Walking around through the conferences yesterday, there were people that would come up from the square just up to Hacienda for that little thing. You could tell they were not used to 5,000 feet elevation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was that way the first day for sure. Um, But I have this wonderful document I will publish on our website, and it's about shaping the – Public policy, and it's just link after link after link. If you're interested in trying to figure out where to get started to t- try to help with your community, so it was a very very worthwhile conference.
1: So, well, it was a it was a lot of fun, and we are in Prescott, and we've brought Dave Barrett in. We've got uh, we've talked about the nuclear power plants. We've talked about the hydroelectric. Uh, we've talked about coal. Propane plays a part in our power source here in Arizona.
3: Propane plays a Plays a big part of our power source here in Arizona because we have so much rural area here where you can't get natural gas, and in some case, electricity.
1: And you've been doing propane. You're fairly new at this. 25 years.
3: <laughs> yeah, which yeah, is fairly new. <laughs> I was in my mid-30s when I got into it, so yeah, I'm fairly new.
1: <laughs> and y'all have, then that's here locally in Prescott, sold the business, had a non-compete. When that non-compete expired, opened up a propane company the next day barrett propane i know anyone in prescott knows it and y'all have the most beautiful propane trucks always with a a call to community outreach the the one that was parked at y'all shop when i came through thursday was your veterans support our troops one that was just beautiful looks like that paint wasn't even dry on it it looked like
3: (laughs) and that one's pretty old truck but yeah we have a pink truck the veterans truck the pink of course is for breast cancer we've got a green truck themed with frogs and leaves and that's just a clean air kind of truck because it runs on propane and propane is a clean burning energy and we have a we have a new yellow truck which isn't themed but it's more of the clean fun kind of a theme and actually i have another pink truck on order so we'll have two pink trucks running around prescott
1: and y'all run these trucks around to customers that have tanks
3: yes customers generally and in the rural areas heat their homes with propane. So they'll have a big propane tank outside to run their furnace, their stove, their water heater, their dryer, fireplace, outdoor appliances like grills and stuff. Yeah. Propane's really a big commodity here in the rural areas of Arizona.
1: You know, we've been putting together this concept of a perfect house and I added another factor to that and that was appliances that are both that are gas or electric powered because you can you can put in a propane air conditioner uh, refrigerator.
3: You can and you know I wouldn't say a lot of people have them but there are a number of people off the grid who have propane powered refrigerators and they are about 3,000 BTU units and they work well and they've been around for a long time.
1: So you could really run your entire property off of propane. We think of it as a heat source, but you can use it as a cooling source.
3: You could use it as a cooling source, but you can also, with a propane power generator, if you're off the electric grid, you can run your lights and everything with propane.
1: Now, somebody like uh, Rosie that does his weed control with a torch, could you hook up like a big 300-yard tube and walk around your property if you're straight off your
3: tank and torch your weeds? I wouldn't suggest that. <laughs> but, you know, in the agriculture uses, you know, there's a lot of agriculture in Arizona as well as all over the country, of course, and they have big propane weed burners that you pull behind your tractor. And these things are 12 or 15 feet wide and have flames shooting out the bottom and you can control them to just get in between where you want to burn the weeds or the whole thing and They're really popular in farmland. Completely
4: completely organic.
3: And completely organic and clean. You know, propane is considered to be not a greenhouse gas before combustion. So if you release propane into into the atmosphere, it doesn't hurt water. It doesn't hurt your soil. It doesn't hurt people, of course, unless you're completely engulfed in it. So propane is not a greenhouse gas. And after combustion, although it is a greenhouse gas it's up to 70% less pollutant than gasoline or diesel. Wow.
1: And you were talking about those ag trucks. Those are fun to watch at night.
3: Yeah. Oh, I believe <laughs> you, the, the brochures selling those things are really cool because they do it right at sunset when it's getting dark and you have all these flames shooting out of the bottom of this thing in the cornfield.
1: And then you can watch if any embers travel off as well. <laughs>
3: you can, yes.
1: But usually they incinerate even the embers. They Oh, yeah, so they
3: hot. they. They get rid of everything. Yeah, they're pretty cool to see.
1: Now, how many customers are on propane? That's probably a hard number to, to
3: put on. but That's a hard number to put on because in Arizona, I have no idea. I know in Yavapai County, I've guessed there are probably between ten and 15,000 customers who heat their homes with propane. So, you know, that's maybe... Was that, 10% of the population? We're we up to 150,000 people in Yavapai County. Higher? 200?
1: So maybe 20,000. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And like you said, it's a great source for a rural location because when you find an undeveloped lot, and if you're looking to move into uh, a rural area, well, that's the first thing you got to research is, okay, how close is the closest power line because the power company will only do so many feet up right. to your property for free, and then it comes out of pocket to the customer. And it starts, it, those gets it, expensive add up pretty quick.
3: And that's, yeah, and natural gas too. Natural gas won't go outside of the developed areas for the most part because they want density. They don't want to run a gas line to somebody every two or, two or three acre parcels. They want downtown Prescott where it's house to house to house to house to house. And I don't blame them. But up here in this area, natural gas is in all the cities, Chino Valley, Prescott Valley, Prescott. And we take care of everybody outside of those boundaries.
1: We're talking with Dave Barrett of Barrett Propane as a propane energy source to Arizona customers and homeowners. And the option you have if you're looking for a rural community and the role propane can play for you. We do have both power and uh, and a propane uh, that's how we ha- heat our home is a is a propane tank and uh, it's it's nice having that option of the gas and the electric and being able to switch between them. But I will tell you one thing: if your car buying is on your to do this week, Dad, you like being back in your Raptor?
4: Yeah, it was really hard to get that back away from Mom. <laughs> she said she was going to have a
1: hard time getting it back, and you had a little little road trip yourself recently. You got to go
4: enjoy a little bit of. Ran it up to Denver. Yeah, you know, I actually went on Sanderson's lot to end up with a GT Convertible Mustang and left with the Raptor. And I'm just having a blast with it. That That's a great truck.
1: Well, whatever you walk on to Sanderson Ford for, and no matter what you leave with, you know you'll be treated fair by good, honest people. But you've got to do it today if it's on your to-do this weekend. They're never open on Sunday. 51st Avenue, south of Glendale, Maryland. Sanderson Ford, if you're looking for a vehicle, it should be a Ford. And if you're looking for a Ford, Sanderson Ford. Open today. The the lot is open now. They open about uh, 8 o'clock. And they'll stay open as long as uh, they need to service their customers.
0: All this talk about propane, we couldn't let it go without little... King of the Hill music. Hank Hill sells propane. Oh. Ah, yeah. Dave is the Hank I, Hill. I would have needed that explanation. Thank yeah.
4: you.
1: <laughs> I did not realize the King of the Hill. Propane, Bobby.
0: That's it, Bobby.
1: <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a full episode, but I know that voice.
0: Oh. Bobby. <laughs> just pick one, and you'll get hooked.
1: Nine... 20 is our weekly giveaway. We do one at 8, uh, 720 and 920. Uh, this time it, it, we have State Park Passes. Uh, we're going to use uh, a little bit of trivia. Were you paying attention? What city in Arizona has the highest walkability score? If you know that answer, text it to 411-923 and we'll pick a random winner at the end of the programming break and send you two tickets to Arizona State Parks Passes. And we are joined by Dave Barrett, Barrett Propane, serving Yavapai County in the Point. I was Making going to break about the benefits of having both electric service and gas service when you have an electric meter 200 amp pretty standard install to go up to you can't call and say hey i want a 400 amp service and they'll just come put it on you've got this big process you've got to go through you've got well what are you going to be using it for Well know, shop stuff well i mean you've got to go through all these different uh hoops and 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 to say okay this i'm using this and it pulls this much amps and that's the justification for going up to this meter you can hook up as much as you want to a propane tank and when it's empty you just fill it back up (laughs) there's no limit to how much propane (laughs) you can use
3: there are no limits however there are limits if you're using too much you might need different piping sizes and that kind of thing but no if you need a bigger tank we can always bring you a bigger tank or just keep filling it yeah that's correct
1: and when And you can calculate your expected use because it's a certain amount of BTUs and you can calculate what that means for gallons of propane.
3: Every plumber and serviceman out there has a little cheat sheet that tells them what diameter piping they need for different lengths of run and how many BTUs and what kind of regulators to use. So, yeah, there are a lot of good professionals out there that will hook you up.
1: Now, something I didn't know about you until this morning before we went on the air, you were a hot shot growing up.
3: I was a hotshot here in Prescott. I was a Prescott hotshot in 1983, and I'll tell you, that was the most fun I've ever had. I loved that job. Just camaraderie, being out with the guys, sweating, doing good for the community, the whole Southwest. It it was just a lot of fun. We took a lot of pride in being a hotshot.
1: And what can residents in rural Arizona do around their property? You obviously want to make sure... Uh, for a fire, defensible fire space. And if there is a fire that breaks out uh, and they've got a propane tank, are there any additional considerations they need to
3: have? Well, the first consideration is to prepare for it before the fire breaks out. Make sure you have at least 10 feet feet of clear space around your propane tank. You don't want anything that will burn close to your propane tank within 10 feet. Don't put it up against a shed. Don't let grass grow around it. Don't build a wooden fence right around your tank. Make sure there's a lot of clear space so that fire can't impinge on the tank.
1: Now, our service provider, and the only reason we don't use Barrett propane is when I call you you here outside of our service area. It doesn't make sense for us to send a truck. You'll go to the north side of Wickenburg, but not down to Whitman. And, um, they they used to come out and say, okay, I need propane. They'd come out, they'd fill it up, and they say, all right, we put this many gallons in. Um, here's your bill. Now, you have to call, pay with a credit card ahead of time before they'll even come out and show up. Really? Yeah.
3: Well, that's not us. Drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I understand why they would do that. We don't do that. Of course, we bill people. We extend credit to people. And, you know, we try to help people out because this is something that people really need to stay warm in the winter, keep grandma warm, keep the kids warm. Need it to cook and heat, so you know it really is a, a valuable thing to people. And we try to make it easy for them and not not exclude people just because they can't pay.
2: What is the the cost per whatevers? <laughs> is it is it, <laughs> it how does it compare to electricity or?
3: You no, know, it's really hard to compare. Electricity is typically cheaper. Some parts of the country it might not be. So it's really hard to compare to electricity. However, if you're heating with it, it's cheaper than heating with electricity. And that kind of thing. But as far as your lights and stuff, electricity is a cheaper option to go.
4: It's a peculiar industry, really. Um, that They dug a monster ditch from Phoenix to, I think, to Prescott. Up to Ash Fork. I think is it all the way up to Ash The York? natural
3: gas line, you mean? Yeah.
4: Yeah. And so
3: where does Barrett Propane get your propane? You know, in Arizona, there are no propane pipeline supplying the wholesale market. Right. So it has to be brought in by truck or train, and there are a couple of rail terminals, one up in Flagstaff, one out near Winslow. And in Litchfield Park, there's an underground salt cavern, an old Morton salt Mm -hmm. cavern,
4: At Rosie on the House, broadcasting live from Prescott, Arizona, from the offices of Renovations with Mr. Dave Barrett of uh, Barrett Propane. And we were just getting into what I thought was a pretty interesting conversation about where propane comes from and, you know, how it's distributed. And y'all were talking about a salt
3: mine in Litchfield? Yeah, there's an old... Morton salt mine. I think part of it's still operating, but just north of the operating part is an underground salt cavern that Morton developed and sold to these propane suppliers. And we store propane in that salt cavern because because of the salt it's really sealed. There are no fissures or cracks, so the propane doesn't escape. And of course, it's under pressure down there too. And there's a big water pond right next to it, so... To put propane in, they pump the propane down, and this cavern's several hundred feet underground. And they pump the propane down, and the water comes out into the pond. And then to get the propane out, they pump water in, and the propane comes out. Wow. And propane's about half as heavy as water, so they don't mix. The water's on top, propane stays on the bottom. And you have to send a truck down there, plug into
4: it, fill your truck up, and come up here.
3: Yeah, I I hire a third party to do it. Okay. So a third party brings a propane to me from Litchfield Park, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. If you go on a tour of the place, literally all you see is a big pond, a little shack, the racks where the trucks load, and a couple of pipes going underground.
1: You can't get into the cavern. Yeah, you
3: can't see the cavern. They didn't have a tunnel with a glass wall where you can, like an aquarium. But, no, it's really interesting. They store a lot of propane down there, and there are several of these caverns all over the country.
1: And when you're talking barrels, it's it's not like they're barreled underground. That's just what they no, calculate. No, and I think it's wise. gallons,
3: actually, not barrels. I think it's 125 or 30 million gallons, not barrels. But you talking? It's a lot of propane, in any case. <laughs> you're talking a little bit about down
4: in Maricopa County, what the propane gas industry did here in Arizona on the for the. Uh, Fire pits.
3: Yeah, last year we partnered, Arizona Propane Gas Association partnered with Maricopa County and Home Depot to come up with a rebate program to get people in Maricopa County to stop using wood-burning outdoor fire pits. And we actually had a 1,000 people participate in that to replace their wood-burning fire pits in in Maricopa County with propane-burning ones. And according to the clean air people in Maricopa County, They've seen a difference already. So I mean, you've, you've retired
4: a thousand fireplaces.
3: Yes, and wood burning fireplaces. Yes, and I believe we're going to do it again this year. Wow! With Maricopa County, I think we're talking to them right now to to do that again to retire more. Well, you can really see it when you we work into
4: those temperature inversions through the middle of the winters.
3: Oh, you can see it and smell it down there. Yeah, up here when we get inversion, you can see and smell the smoke when people are burning wood. Yeah. So, yeah, it does make a difference.
1: The smoke smell is only fun at a campfire. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's right. It's not fun when you get up, especially up here. When you smell smoke, boy, your eyebrows go up and you start wondering what's going on.
1: When and where. Just every time we get to the end of the break, we've covered everything about propane as we can. And we hit to the break and I'm like, there's so much more that you've got. Talk about uh, the propane as an import versus an export and how that has completely changed in america
3: yeah 10-15 years ago propane was mostly imported not mostly but we're a net importer of propane and then with the discovery of all these natural gas shale production places in texas and the dakotas and new york pennsylvania those kinds of places, now we're actually a net propane exporter and in fact these guys are these guys, the producers, are exporting it just as fast as they can to the India, China, places like that because there's a huge demand for propane there because they don't have the natural gas piping infrastructure. So there's a lot of propane demand in these developing countries. So, yeah, there, they're, domestically, we have a lot of propane supply. The and problem is we're also exporting a ton of it.
1: And mom had asked a great question. How do they make propane? Where, where, where is it generated from?
3: Propane comes from either crude oil production, where it's split out from the crude oil, or now most of it comes from natural gas processing. Again, with the development with all these natural gas places and the places I mentioned, it's, oh, I guess you call it a byproduct of natural gas production. Natural gas is methane, propane, butane, ethane. And they split all those off so that, in the end, natural gas that you get to heat your home or something is mostly methane. And the propanes come off and they make propane out of that. And propane was actually discovered as a heating source and something you can use just barely over 100 years ago. Wow. Yeah.
1: So it's developed quite into into quite an industry in that amount of time. Does it ever go bad? Like, if I've got a propane
3: tank? In fact... The gentleman who discovered it, invented it, whatever you want to call it, actually had a tank of it that he kept. And when we had the 100-year anniversary nationally a few years ago, of course, we're propane dorks, so we recognize <laughs> that. And they actually burned some propane out of that original canister, and it just worked fine. Yeah, so it doesn't go bad now. The, the, the containers sometimes age out. The containers can go bad. If you don't take care of them, they can start rusting, generally from the outside. And so you do want to watch your container. But generally, the containers, if they're taken care of, could last indefinitely, but surely 40, 50 years. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Now, they'll last indefinitely, but something, if you've got tanks, they'll only refill one that's under 15 years old.
3: On your smaller DOT cylinders, your barbecue cylinders, you have to recertify it. After the first 12 years. And that means somebody just goes and looks at it, make sure there's no rust, make sure the foot's not rusting and coming off, make sure there aren't leaks. But then it can be recertified for five years, and then you'd have to take it again in five years and do it again. What kind of pressure are those under when they're full? Uh, They're rated to 250 PSI, the tanks, although the propane is... You know, I think it's 102 pounds oh. at 60 degrees. And of course, the pressure changes with temperature. So as it gets hotter, the pressure builds. But I believe at 60 degrees, propane in a container is 102 pounds.
1: Now, does propane, and this may be a, little, a question that's you're not able to answer, but using propane in the mountains... Does it take longer to boil water than a lower elevation? Because I swear, when we fill up the hundred quart crawfish pots up at seven thousand feet, it seems like it takes two to three times longer than uh, you know at low elevations below the rim.
3: You're torturing is, those poor crawfish by it, making them suffer longer. <laughs> is it just is? in my imagination,
1: or does it take longer to boil water with propane at a higher elevation?
3: <laughs> you know, I think. Cooking anything takes longer at a higher elevation. It wouldn't surprise if it took a little bit longer to boil water.
0: Hey, well, Dave. Gonna... Dave, yes. we have another Dave on the phone, and he's got a very interesting question. Dave in Phoenix, uh, it has to do with the size of a propane tank. Dave, you there? Yeah. Go for it. Go ahead, yeah. sir. Okay. Um, I, I went from a natural gas house to a house that doesn't have natural gas. And when we had to change out our appliances, where I got the gas one, I put in the propane nozzles. And for starters, we just hooked it up to a little five gallon tank because we just wanted to get it going. And I was calling the various propane places because I looked online and they have all these setbacks about this far from electrical outlet, this far from a windowsill, and And I never really got a clear answer about, you know, what size of a tank, I can use that um, a truck can come and fill up, because right now I've got, I don't know what the size is, it's about four or five feet tall, you know, regular size, and that seems to last a long time. I'm at least five or six months just for the stove and the barbecue and that kind of stuff. Is your four Um, or five
3: foot tall tank a foot in diameter, or is it two or three feet in
0: diameter? No, it's, it's a foot in diameter.
3: So that's a hundred pound cylinder that holds 23 gallons of propane. And if That's you're not right. doing home heat with propane, that'll last a long time. Home heat's what really uses nope. the propane. But a small tank under 120 gallons you can put right up against your house. However, it has to be okay,
4: that.
3: five feet from an opening, five feet from a vent, so many feet from any ignition sources such as air conditioning or electrical outlets. So okay. there still are okay, distance.
0: So so that that's my question, because right now it's sitting next to my air conditioning unit, and I, I didn't think that was good. So I need to move it, what, at least 10 or 15 feet away from my air conditioning unit?
3: At least – put it 10 feet from something that can – has a source of ignition like that.
1: Okay. And it's not the and air that about, you're worried.
3: Go ahead. That's yeah, 10 feet minimum from them. something that's a source of ignition.
0: Okay. And what about burying them? You're putting them below you, grade.
3: There are buried tanks. I've never seen a 100-pound cylinder like you have that is bearable. Usually those are ASME tanks. So you have a DOT cylinder. And the smallest I've seen are 120-gallon tanks. And they are coated with specific coating so they won't rust. And you have to put anode protection on them, again, cathodic protection, so they won't rust. And they have... Risers so they'll come out of the ground properly and shrouds so you don't run over them with your lawnmower or pickup truck. But no, don't try to bury that 100-pound cylinder.
1: And I get where he's trying to go. is
3: something, you yeah. know,
1: and depending yeah. on what kind of access he has into his backyard, you know, the digging could be problematic. Getting the size of tank right. back there could be problematic.
3: But you can bury tanks, yes. we. There are buried tanks from 120 gallons up to, you know, probably as big as you want to go. So
1: we appreciate the call, Dave. Good luck getting your house situated. Sounds like talk to him, just extending that hose and moving it farther away. And it's not the we're worried about propane getting sucked into our air conditioning unit because that's the air handler. It's a right. it's a source of ignition. That yes,
3: although you want to put it away from vents going into the house too, so you don't want propane sucking into your house. But it's more a case of if there's a leak or if it's over pressure and the relief valve goes off and you have propane shooting into the air.
1: Well, thanks for coming down this Saturday morning.
3: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Real easy to find on Iron Springs Road, just past Iron Springs Cafe before Waters Garden Center. Yeah. The big propane silo gives it away if the truck's not out front. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I appreciate coming in. It's always good to see you guys up here in Yavapai County. And What's
1: your service area?
3: We are most of Yavapai County. I'd say we're all of Yavapai County except... We don't go to Black Canyon City. We don't go over the mountain here to Cottonwood, Clarkdale, or Camp Verde. Now,
1: do you drop off into Congress, or do you stay up at Yarnell? We stay
3: up at Yarnell. We don't go down the hill to Congress.
1: That's a pretty big commitment once you drop off the edge, and (laughs) there's no turning around. That is a big commitment,
3: and it just doesn't make sense for us right now to do that.
1: Sure. Well, we appreciate you spending your Saturday morning here with us at Rosie on the House. We've got our weekly to do that we'll bump into the next segment, Grout Ceiling. And uh, if you've got a question, you can join the conversation. 1 767 4348. That's 1 Rosie for you. Or text four one one nine two three. Email info at rosie, R O S I E, on the house.com. week and if you follow along in our home maintenance calendar you can get for free by sending an email to info rosie on the house.com and let us know where you'd like us to send that and we'll put you on the mailing list and it's Only for the calendar. We don't sell it to anyone else. We don't send you anything else. Just once a year, we'll send you our annual home maintenance calendar. Some of the to-dos repeat every year. Some of them don't. And grout sealing done properly is not one you will need to repeat every single year. And it's not something you need to do if you're on one of the newer synthetic grouts. It's the old cement-based grouts that require frequent. Not, I wouldn't say frequent. uh, And obviously, depending on what the grout is on, (laughs) a backsplash. Uh, next to the stove isn't as used; doesn't get as much grease build up food product as the backsplash over by the refrigerator that might be two or three feet away the countertop that has uh, your stack of papers you know it may never see the light of day and be protected under there (laughs) for a long time the grout on your major pathways through your home obviously have a lot more wear on those areas but the proper The hardest thing about sealing grout is you have to stay off it. And it's hard to stay off it on the floor inside your home. So it's a great project to do as you get the expedition packed up, send the kids over to play at a friend's house, get your steam cleaner out, clean it, and then go on your week-long summer vacation and then come back. That would be the perfect time. As long as you're disciplined enough to finish the project before you leave, you know you got the car running, the kids whining. We're, we, we're there yet? We haven't even left the property. <laughs> so it's a it's a hard one to coordinate because you've got to be disciplined to staying off of it, and it doesn't matter. You that discipline lasts about the two or three trips down that hallway you're tiptoeing along the edge and then you get tired of that but it'll help extend the life of your tile and your grout job it'll help it look cleaner uh, it'll look nicer and you can get that entire article at rosie on you can take the information put it right into your home maintenance application if you've signed up for our home zada digital home maintenance app it'll help uh, send you reminders and you can program that and again for about another four years as a reminder to check that and do that process and if you need a contractor to help of course we've got the rosie on the house certified partner network that can help you with any projects you're looking to tackle around your home, castle, or cabin, or even like a propane supplier. Dave, I don't think we even gave your phone number out. We mentioned you're out on Iron Springs, but if somebody wanted to get a hold of you...
3: Oh, they can get us on the phone at 928-636-1600. And, of course, we're available on the web at com.
1: And this is not a home improvement question, and generally this is stuff we would keep in the Arizona staycation hour at 7 o'clock. But because you were a firefighter, and because, uh, a Hotshot in particular, here in Prescott, and because they have a free showing of the movie Only the Brave, the story of the Granite Mountain Hotshot uh, crew. Uh, it's at the Elks Theater Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. It starts at 7 o'clock. It, it is free. They do ask for a cash donation of any, so a buck or ten bucks or a hundred bucks, whatever uh, you want to contribute. You can go get a screening in the historic Elks Theater, which is a beautiful setting. What, what did you think of it? I, I haven't had the courage
3: to watch it yet. Yeah, you know, I, I hesitated, but I did see it about a year ago, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. I was a little worried about them not really staying... Hollywooding it up too much? Yeah, exactly. They were going to Hollywood it up, but, you know, actually the story, the way the hotshots acted and what happened and the events and everything, I think it it really played true to the story.
1: Good. I know a lot of people were upset it was recorded in... New Mexico. New Mexico. <laughs> but I thought th- that area of Yarnell is so unique and it's obviously burnt, they can't refilm it there.
3: Yeah, some of the Prescott scenes they recorded in New Mexico too, but nonetheless, it, it it worked and I would really recommend going to see this movie, especially right now when it's free right here in Prescott, Arizona.
1: Right at the Elks Lodge at the Elks Theater. Theater. Yes. Not Elks Lodge Elks Theater. <laughs>
3: And if you haven't been to Elks Theater, you need to go there anyway, so why not use this as an excuse to go see the Elks Theater and see the remodel they did several years ago and enjoy only the brave at the same time. And
1: It's come up a couple times recently, and I think I, think I could finally watch it. That was uh, uh, the story about the, the Granite Mountain hotshots that uh, perished in the Yarnell Fire, and just a week earlier, uh, had saved the champion juniper tree in the state there's a program that the arizona forestry department has where if it's the biggest largest tree of that species in the state it's crowned the champion tree uh, there's the champion ironwood tree is on carefree highway you can see it if you know what you're looking for on the south side of the road in the wash between mile markers eight and nine uh, the juniper champion tree is on the south west side of granite mountain and it's not really published because they don't want, uh, I mean, there's already people that have carved names in it that have passed by, and they don't publish size publicly announced where it is a lot, but you can find it if you know what you're looking for. You it's, can, and it's, my
3: wife and kids have been there. I haven't been there, and I think there's a little plaque there. And there is. You I, do have to find your way. You have to drive and then walk quite a distance to get there, and there isn't signage pointing directions, so you really have to know where you're going. But
1: And in the setting it's in, you would think a champion tree would stand out like a sore thumb. It, it's, it's not completely obvious until you get right up to
3: it. You've been there, I take it? I have. Oh, good. And, you know, it's just an iconic picture of the hotshots standing in a little pyramid in front of the tree and hanging out there. Because they it had... really s- is cool because they just saved that tree from the... Granite Do- mountain fire. The Dosey fire. Dosey yes. fire. hmm So... Hmm. Well, that's
1: uh, something I'm going to have to come back up for Thursday night. <laughs> and that's something I have
3: to go see is uh, the tree.
1: The tree? Yes, you do. Yes. So what are you doing? Want to go, go for a hike after the broadcast? Let's
4: go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, we are moving into our On the House Hour, diving into something specific on the house. It's Energy Month here at Rosie on the House. we have going to cover all the different ways Arizona gets its energy source. And we're going to talk about uh, sustainable building and how a reduction in demand uh instead of generating energy creating a home that requires less energy and we've got tom riley of renovations who's uh well we'll get into all the different plaques that are sitting here on the wall